Hello, and welcome back to the Not So Secret Sauce podcast, where we open source the secret sauce. My name is Kevin Odongo, Senior Software Architect at Founders Factory Africa. Glad you could join us. If you're joining us for the first time, this episode of the Not So Secret Sauce podcast is the second part of a two-part series focused on how founders get their product to market and iterate at speed to find product market fit. Before moving ahead, I'd highly recommend listening to part one, which focused on founders wanting to get their product to market. In today's part two, we consider founders who are already in market and looking for ways to validate at speed. And for part two, I welcome back Fabian Elliott, Africa Startup and Venture Capital Business Development Manager at Google Cloud for Startups. Fabian, thanks for joining us again today. How are you? Doing great, Kevin. Good, great to be back. Looking forward to this conversation, the part two, the sequel. Great. Before we move into part two of our discussion on founders their, and their MVPs and validation for the early and in-market journey, time for another icebreaker. Five subjects, five hot takes, ready to go, Fabian. All right. Let's go. Mental health in tech. That's super critical. I think especially with the unprecedented layoffs we've seen in the industry from big tech to to startups and even VC firms, you know, having to reduce staff. I think it's it's already been a huge focus, but I think now more than ever, you know, it has to, you know, get a lot of you know, the necessary attention and, you know, help help people. Tech application where Africa has leapfrogged the world. I think it, it goes without saying, you know, the fintech space is, you know, super interesting on because of all the challenges, all the innovation and solutions that are popping up, like small examples. Like I know my Bank of America debit card in the U.S., like it, um, I wouldn't always have to put in my pin if I was making a payment or transaction Versus here, that's just standard. So like, there's a lot of just smaller, you know, little features and things of that nature in the, uh, that I've observed in the finance space where, you know, Africa does seem to has, has leapfrog and is more advanced. Oh, the future of physical cash? I, I guess I'd have to say, I think the days are numbered at some point. When that happens, you know, will be yet to be seen. But as the the digital penetration and mobile devices and mobile banking continues to to progress i got to think at some point yeah it'll 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 be you know that we won't have it anymore human intuition balanced with data led insight that's where we're at in the generative ai space and you know prompting like What's normally sparking a prompt into BARD or ChatGPT or these other, you know, systems is a something from the from from the human perspective that you're seeing or you're curious about or you're exploring. So yeah, I think we're already starting to see that where, you know, human intuition of, huh, I think this there could be something here. Let me quickly be able to ask or, you know, put in you know, a prompt. To, to validate it or get more insight. So yeah, I think we're already there. Establishing a common culture in, in a global organization? Yeah, I mean, from being in a global organization, I, I, it, it's possible, it, 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 it has to be done. And it comes down to just, you know, having a short list of core values that everyone's on board with, you know, respecting and that 
you know, they're not in too much in conflict with with local culture. So I think it's there's a lot of global companies that that manage and you know make it happen and blend with local cultures and, and preferences. So it's 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 happened, it's happening and it'll continue to happen. Thanks Fabian for sharing your candid thoughts once more. Let's get into it. Let's do it. In today's part two, we consider founders who are already in market and looking for ways to validate at speed. And my first question to you, Fabian, I'm a founder that has taken my product to the market. How should I seek to define validation and why is validation important in ecosystem context? What shape, resources, time should startup be in to focus on validation? Validation, and we talked about it a bit on the, the previous episode, but it's absolutely critical. And I think one thing that's important is it's not about just the start and, okay, I'm only going to do validation when I'm getting started. It's about settling into it where it's an ongoing, continuous, you know, practice and, and cycle. Because as we know, the only thing that is certain in the world is change. <laughs> and so it's constantly needed that you're checking in, you're validating that you're giving your customers what they want. And so I think that's a that's an important piece of it is it has to be a priority and it must be a a, a long-term sustained, you know, priority that, you know, you focus on with your business. A hundred percent. I'll support what you said uh, and add on it. I think validation allows the business to mitigate a lot of risk mm -hmm. and uh, it, it allows the business to attract investments, get customer satisfaction and, and gather a lot of insights from the customers or from the users who are using the applications. Yep. So yep. I, be, I believe it's, 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 it's a crucial stage in the journey of a startup founder. Yeah, because I mean, that's in the reason just to underscore the point of it's a long term game. That is how the a lot of the traditional enterprises end up getting disrupted by, you know, in those David Goliath situations and in, you know, when it comes to the, the startup innovation space, because they get too complacent and they're not validating or checking that they're still, you know, doing their best to meet their customer needs or, you know, exemplarily, you know, doing that. So I think if, if you need any motivation, just look at any traditional company that's been put out of business because of an innovative startup. It's because they, they probably got too relaxed on their validation practices. How should a founder, should they overdo it? Or what's the balance between trying to validate a product and accepting, oh, this isn't working and I need to move uh, away from this and try a different feature mm -hmm. with the customers. So how long should they take just to try and <laughs> validate the problem or the solution they provided to the to the users? There's a saying that, you know, revenue solves all problems. So, you know, as long as you're seeing some success on the, the revenue and, you know, your targets and traction and things like that, then I think you can pull back just a bit on the validation because you're getting the validation that you need, at least in the short term, you know, with that revenue that's coming in. I think at the crux of your question is really, okay, when things aren't working, you know, you're not meeting your revenue traction, different targets, adoption targets, you know, what's the the runway or the, the trip cord for, you know, how you think about it. And 
you know, I think to be honest, that's when you do lean more into validation and discovery and exploration on, and and that starts with the customer. So, you know, if you're not getting the adoption and the engagement and the revenue, then yeah, from a validation slash discovery standpoint, it's, you know, starting to go and, and look through like, is it the is the the solution like how is the solution itself not what the customer is looking for is it the the delivery of the solution are we just not able to are we not marketing the right way to reach the customer with the solution so you know then there is a lot of layers to kind of sift through and validate but you can go through and 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 validate at those different layers systematically while in this topic, what are the different types of tools that can help founders validate their product when in market? From your perspective, what categories would you break these tools down into? You know, I think the, the first one that always comes to mind is around, um, you know, A-B testing. So say, you know, you have a landing page and you're trying to experiment with a value proposition or some type of offering. And, you know, you want to do some A-B testing where... So you split the traffic 50-50 and they, you know, 50% sees one message, 50% sees the other. And then you can kind of figure out, you know, how the performance, you know, works. And so a lot of that is built into a lot of your standard, you know, site analytics or advertising products, you know, that are out there. You know, so that's, you know, that's a, a key point of, of validation. Also, you know, engaging, you know, directly with customers and prospective customers, whether, you know, it's one-on-one conversations where you can or focus groups or things of that nature really around the value proposition is another, you know, validation, you know, kind of approach or tool. I already talked about a lot of, a lot of it's going to come from your marketing and site analytics, honestly, where, you know, you can look at how people are interacting with the site, the user journeys, you know, all these different things. So there's a lot of different methods. And I think it's it's really coming, going back to how you design it, you know, based on, you know, what are the, what are your core priorities that you're looking to validate? What are the options out there to validate them? And, you know, which ones are accessible and, you know, best for you? Yeah, great. At Founders Factory, the key thing that we look at, uh, some of the tools that we use are mirror boards and uh, some CRM. We, we try to encourage founders to use HubSpot and uh, Mixpanel for analytics uh, and, and do a lot of surveys and, and collect all those feedbacks and insight from the customers just to ensure that you, you, you validate the product and you can iterate quickly on the next important feature to put in the hands of the customers. Right, right. Because without this cycle, it takes me back to one thing, you're building in waterfall. At an mm-hmm. early stage, I think uh, most of these startups should focus into agile development because yeah. you just keep iterating. Yeah. Put it in the hand of the customers, get the feedback, and loop through back. If it doesn't work, take it out. But the interesting bit is the hard question of telling the founders that this is not working. Because even yeah. if we provide them the tools and the tools lead them that this product is not being used, when is the right time for them to just, oh, should we tell them the hard question each time? When you're talking about validation, you have to start thinking, you know, like a scientist almost. And, you know, what's your hypothesis? And then, you know, going through, what's what's that six-step process for like the scientific research process? Like you almost have to get into, into that that frame of mind because then it makes it very objective and it takes some of the emotions out of it that 
you know, the good thing about founders are they're super passionate. No one's going to be more passionate about their business than they are. That has some drawbacks as well, you know, where, you know, emotions and other things can make it difficult to, to be objective as needed. So with this scientific approach and how you go about it is, you know, if you're doing any experiment, it's clear whether something, you know, you have, you set the parameters on what's a success and what's a failure. (laughs) And then you have actions that you take based on whether it's successful or it's a failure. And so I think that's a really critical step on the front end is, okay, if you're going to be really serious about going down this validation path, you have to also be really serious and disciplined on what does failure look like? And if your results return as being a failure, you know, what are the the predetermined actions you're going to take and be disciplined with those and, and, and not try to, you know, adjust things, you know, too much. So I think discipline ends up becoming a big part of it. To complete on this question, I, I'll talk about these three or the, is it five cycle? Design, develop, test, mm. release, feedback, plan. Yep. And then you start all over again. Design, mm. develop, test release feedback plan. Mm -hmm. So I think grouping the tools, the way we've grouped them, just to put it on customer research, user analytics and Mm -hmm. tracking, Mm -hmm. A-B testing, it will still give us a very clear way of going through this cycle and keep ensuring the customer is is getting the right features. But now that the founder is in the market with this product, if I'm looking at Google Suite products, what is the right time to get credits? And, oh, yeah. You know, just share some of the benefits that they can get when they're already in the market yeah, and they're using yeah. Google platform. When you join the Google for Startups cloud program and you get accepted and approved, immediately upon your approval, the the, the your year one credits that you've been granted, that year one starts ticking. And so there have been situations where prematurely someone's applied and joined the program, but then they don't even have a developer ready. And so it takes a few months to get a developer and then they onboard that person and then they're finally ready to, you know, start doing some testing. And by the time they're ready to get in production, eight months have passed (laughs) and they, and now they only have four months left on their, uh, on their credits. So, that's definitely a, a big part like with with the program is ensuring that you're ready to hit the ground running as much as possible so you can maximize that that full that full year of, of credits and not lose out on anything. So are we talking about numbers of customers, numbers of traffic? What are the signals that the founder should have to just be ready and say, okay, this is the right time for me to come oh. and get these credits? I think the the assumption would be by the time you're ready to go into production in parallel, you've been doing some marketing and other things and like those things are merging nicely. And so, you know, typically from the the credit standpoint, you know, you're going to be starting to consume the cloud and and draw down cloud cloud costs even before you go into production, you know, because you have you know, dev, staging, you know, these other cycles where you're you're consuming it. So I think the the main prerequisites would be mainly on the technical side on, you know, making sure you have your personnel in place, making sure you have maybe a high level, you know, strategy in place. And then from there, you know, you're fine to go ahead and 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 get started and 
you know, hopefully with some of the things we've been talking about, whether it's low code or serverless, you know, you should be able to get into the market. You should be able to, you know, get to production pretty quickly. Well, what about a scenario where the startup got the credits at the right time yeah. and uh, they scaled correctly, assuming their bandwidth is like 2,000 US dollars. And by the time mm-hmm. they're... The year runs out. Is there any kind of support that is still extended to this kind of founder? Yeah. So for our program, you know, there's two tiers. So based on whether you are equity or venture backed or you're bootstrapping. So for the first tier for year one, you know, it's $2,000 of credits that are available. For the second tier, venture ba- venture equity backed is $100,000 of credits in year one. So for both programs, though, when you go into year two, you still, you, you get 20% of your cost covered that you're spending on GCP up to those same limits. So there is, you know, a bit of, you know, support and relief that's provided in that respect. But I know I understand that it's challenging because a lot of African startups are B2B. And from what I've been told, African B2B sales cycles are a lot longer than, say, in other regions. Like, it just take it takes longer to close deals and to get things completed. And so, you know, in this type of environment where runway is everything, I think it becomes even more important. You know, if I was a founder, you know, this, you know, taking off my Google hat a bit, if I was a founder, you know, I would architect my, my application in a way you know, containerized, all those things where it's easily transported <laughs> to other clouds. And I would try to take advantage of their cloud credits and <laughs> as much as I could, you know, to be honest, unless and until those type of policies change. We're, we're in unprecedented times, so there's unprecedented kind of strategies and ideas that have to be considered. So when you talk about the 20%, that's an interesting point. So are they going to see that 20% discount once the credit ends? You say the, for the next year, they'll be getting 20% discount on their monthly. So with the founder who was using 2000 we're looking at 1600 on their billing every month. Am I correct? Yeah. So yeah, it'd be a 20% discount for that, for that $2,000 example up to what would it be? So if their bill was 10,000, you know, and then they would get a 20,000 uh, $2,000 discount. That, so that would be the cap. It, so if their bill goes up to 11,000, it'll still be a $2,000 discount. If that makes sense. Yeah, and what are what are other benefits apart from the credits that are, are loaded on there? Are they getting any support like from the tech tech team at Google? Yeah, yeah. So when you join the program, then you're connected with a startup success manager on our side and their they their main role is to serve as kind of like your concierge you know into Google Cloud so if you have uh, technical issues or just any like whatever problems you might be facing related to Google Cloud you know they can kind of help guide you to the right resources and 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 support so unfortunately though sometimes our, our startup success managers you know startup founders are busy you know so sometimes those emails get ignored to connect <laughs> and sometimes the startup founder might not even know that they have access to this type of person because maybe the email slipped through and someone reached out to them. So, you know, I know that's that's been a challenge, but something new that we've been doing since, you know, I came on board earlier this year is, you know, looking to provide more local on the ground support. So, you know, a lot of our startup success managers aren't based in Africa, but myself, I'm based 
in in Africa, and we have you know other local cloud resources you know that we can tap into. So with some of our key partners like Founders Factory Africa, you know, and others, you know, we we're try- we're looking to provide a more hands-on experience as well. You know, with office hours with low lo- local resources that you know understand the the landscape and things of that nature. Oh, thanks so much, Fabian, for putting uh, putting that out because I think this founder who was ready in the market and is using Google product, I think they have got more information from whatever what you've shared. And I would like to extend this question. What signals should founders recognize as a major hazard sign? Signals that suggest they need to go back to the drawing board and consider the core value proposition <laughs> of their product or service. Yeah, so it might sound crude, but it goes back to the earlier point. Money, you know, profits and revenue, like it's a business at the end of the day, you know, and and business success, it's not a charity, you know, business (laughs) success is determined by balance sheets and profit and revenue. So I think, you know, that's the, that's the first, you know, like that's the first and, you know, probably primary red flag, you know, that you look for because it can be, say you have other metrics you're looking at that are also could be helpful metrics at the end of the day, if those metrics aren't somehow tying back to revenue and the financial health of the business, then you know that you could almost be wasting some of your time, you know, you know, tracking some of those those metrics. So I think, you know, you'd really start on the your revenue targets, your profitability targets, you know, but then you can extend back on, you know, customer adoption specific metrics for your business and churn rate and and, and these different things that kind of feed up up the chain. But I think I, I say revenue and profitability because it's especially important in this macroeconomic environment that we're in with investing and fundraising, where in the past and some some current some today, you know, a lot of founders, they were just trying to build, say, investable businesses, you know, which sometimes can have nuanced differences between a healthy, profitable business, you know? And so now that funding has become even more scarce, you know, investors are kind of raising their threshold on the type of financial health that they're expecting or that they want to see. And so, you know, I think now more than ever, it's important for founders to kind of bring in some more rigor on that, that financial business health and, and how they optimize towards that. Well, I'll add on that, and you summarize it well, but key thing for us at studio at Founders Factory is user engagement and retention. Yep. Yeah. Uh, if nobody's using your application, it's it's really a hazard signal that you need to go back to the drawing board because yep. whatever you've built, is, your customers don't want it. But many founders take time to, to, to iterate through and try and put something back or try and see if the value proposition or, you know, make it more unique or different with the way you you put it out. So if customers, there's no engagement in your application and hence, this is the reason why we really leverage Mixpanel or encourage yeah. founders to use Mixpanel because, uh, and I, I, I think Google also has Google Analytics, but mm-hmm. having analytics and trying to see the user behavior from the onset instead of running blindly is key thing that will tell the founder if 
the value proposition is really getting along with the customers. And once you see user yep. engagement, the final thing that you need, are they coming back? Are they coming back to use the application? So those are the two things that I can add on your point. And then to the last question on this uh, podcast is from a high level, when I think this has come, this question has come along from all the conversation that we had from a higher level. When should a startup consider iterating their product, even if version one is a success? How long is too long to wait to change? Yeah, so I think it 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 comes down to what we mentioned, what we were kind of discussing earlier about you know, like typically most products, your know, technical products and things of that nature. There, there is a forecasted roadmap, you know, on, you know, plan changes that they want to make over the next, you know, several quarters. And so I think having that roadmap is really key in just, you know, having that kind of longer term direction. And then, you know, from there, the I think the iteration becomes it becomes like a cycle with a couple of inputs. So you have your, what you're planning to do, but then you incorporate that user feedback and all the feedback loops that we've talked about to, you know, either pivot as needed or modify as needed on your plan. But it's always important to have a plan that you can then, you know, modify by and, you know, modify against. And so, you know, I don't think it's even with a successful app, like you think about a lot of apps we use now, who's ever asking Facebook or Google to make changes, you know, like <laughs> a lot of times, you know, it's it's working great and they're giving us things we didn't even know we needed sometimes or didn't even think about, you know. And so I think you made a good point on like even if the app is successful, it there's always ways that it can be improved. There's always ways to find a way to to provide more value to the customer, even if they don't even know they're not even fully aware, you know, what that could look like. So, yeah, I think it comes back to having a plan, you know, having a roadmap, having your feedback loops to then just as you go through each step of that roadmap, you know, evaluating whether, OK, whether the existing plan makes sense or, you know, if a pivot needs to happen. But, yeah, I think it's just it's a, it's a recurring cyclical you know, type of activity. Well, so should we say like at this stage, the founder needs a product manager or they can still continue with the same team or how important is a product manager at this stage for the founder? Yeah, that is tricky because if you misfire too early, first off, like you better have a fantastic product manager or you're better off probably doing it yourself. <laughs> so like <laughs> it's the worst situation is you bring in a bad product manager or someone who's not, who's just average. So, you know, I, I think that's a really good point is if you can bring in if you have the resources to bring in an excellent product manager, you do it 10 times out of 10, you know, if you have the resources, you know, to do it. So I think I would kind of flip it around and, you know, the dependency would then become if resources allow, then yeah, let's, let's bring in someone who's really good at this and can really drive it for us. And if resources don't allow, yeah, you, you figure, you know, you continue to do it to the best of your ability, but yeah, don't, don't try to take a shortcut in the middle. Oh, great, great, great. I agree with you, Fabian. And, and and what's your last what's your last take or what's your last thought on this founder whose product is already in the market? Yeah, I would say I would just double down on you know, profitability and you know financial health for the company. And because that goes along with whether you're bootstrapping and you intend to bootstrap forever, 
you know, you'll be in good shape, whether you're bootstrapping now and you want to go, you, you might want to go raise in the future, you'll be in good shape or whether you're actively raising right now, the, the tides are, are shifting on what, you know, investors are looking for and, 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 you know, that financial health of the business and, you know, getting to, you know, revenue and, you know, roadmaps to, to prop profitability is, is super critical. So yeah, I would say, you know, focus on that and then always, always, always focus on your customer. Like you should understand your customer better than anyone else. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, be able to give them things and provide value in ways that they haven't even thought about themselves. You should know your customers almost better than themselves. And I think if you focus on those things, good things will happen. Fabian, thank you. Thank you for joining us again on the Not So Secret podcast. It's been a great dive into challenges faced by founders and their MVPs as they embark on their in-market journeys. It's great talking with you again, Kevin. And yeah, best of luck to everyone out there. That is going to wrap up part two of this two-part Not So Secret Source podcast series. Shout out to everyone listening. Till next time, keep well and keep testing. <laughs>